Some brands offer you low finance or cashback or servicing. Renault don't do ors. We do ands. The Renault Kajar with 1.91% APR and €1,000 cashback and three years servicing, saving you thousands. Renault, the brand with the ands. Visit your local Renault dealer. Finances made under a higher purchase agreement. Terms and conditions apply. Deposit required. Subject to lending criteria. See Renault.ie. Welcome to another podcast by InsideCarolina.com, the independent voice of UNC Sports, your home for Tar Heel football, basketball, and recruiting. Welcome to the Inside Carolina podcast. John Siegel here with Dewey Burke. Coming off the heels of Miami's upset win over Carolina in the Dean Dome, 91-88. We are recording this literally minutes after that game ended. Dewey just is kind of an overall view. What went wrong in this game? Well, I thought we were poor defensively. We didn't guard the ball well at all. And uh, consequently, I felt like Miami got almost every shot they wanted. And it really started there. I know we turned the ball over offensively, but we ended the game with only 13, which is not a really, really bad number. And they had 10. So to me, that wasn't what it was about. And offensively, for the most part, we played fine. I just thought defensively, we're a step slow, out of sync, and Miami just spread us out and drove us, and we had a really hard time containing penetration. They got a lot of good looks at the rim. Their bigs finished at the rim. Their guards got in the paint and uh, either created shots for themselves or open threes. They shoot 50% from three, 55% from the field. That just tells you your defense wasn't good enough. Yeah, the game kind of turned when Miami went on. I think it was like a 15-3 to run, which erased an eight-point Carolina lead. And like you said, I mean, the biggest thing there was Carolina just looked like they were getting out-hustled, which you don't expect to see on senior night from these guys. No, that's right. And it was a weird first half, I thought. You know, we came out playing fine. Theo was a little sloppy with a couple of turnovers. We were up 18-10. to and all of a sudden it was 28-21. They went on an 18-3 to run, and part of that was a little 10-0 spurt that they had. And then from that point on, I just thought we were, like I said, a step slow defensively, didn't contain the dribbler at all. And they really got every shot they wanted. And it goes to show we really were fine offensively. We shot the ball well. I mean, 13 threes, shot 48% from behind the line, 55% overall, and lost. And the reason was because we just – we weren't there defensively. We even out-rebounded them, which look over Coach Williams' career at Carolina, we win almost every single game that we win the rebounding margin. But uh, we were just poor defensively. I mean, it all came to that. I thought we got out-hustled a little bit. It wasn't, to me, the most glaring part of the game. We just didn't contain the dribblers. They got every shot they wanted. They weren't running anything really all that special. A lot of ball screens, putting the ball in the wings for their athletic perimeter players to get to the rack. and. Guys made plays for them. They're, like I said, the bigs finished. They made a lot of shots that came off penetration, and we just did a poor job containing the dribbler. Well, Carolina also did not convert on their free throw chances, which is something that I know Roy Williams has just preached about over and over again, that his teams have to hit those free throws. But Carolina was only 13 for 20 for the game, and that includes some surprising misses from Joel Berry. And basically, that was the only thing that Joel kind of did wrong tonight. And we can get more into the player stuff here in just a second. 
Yeah, Joel was great. I mean, you know, the kid just plays so hard and tried to will us to win when obviously we weren't having our best night. But to your point, the free throws, he missed a couple. Cam obviously missed one that could have tied the game. Luke missed the front and or the first one of two shots that could have tied the game. So Joel makes one of those, the ones down the stretch. Cam makes his third and Luke makes his. We probably win. But uh didn't come down to that. I, I felt that this game – not that it got away from us, but we allowed Miami to gain confidence really those last 12, 13 minutes of the first half and the first 12, 13 minutes of the second half when they stretched the lead all the way to 16. There was nothing that was giving them any disruption on the offensive end. There wasn't enough pressure from us, and there wasn't enough control of the dribbler, like I keep saying. So, like you said, we'll get into the individuals, and some of our guys did play well, but – as a team, defensively, we were, we were abysmal. I mean, there's no other way to put it. The stats show it, and the naked eye shows it from watching. We just did a poor job. And you've mentioned a couple of times now that Miami's basically sole plan on offense was to spread Carolina at, out and then run guys at the rim. And in the first half, they were su- successful at doing that. Miami was able to get to the free throw line. They got a couple and ones. And I thought that this game kind of really exposed – that Carolina is lacking that truly mobile big that can defend the rim because, unfortunately, yeah, Sterling no, Manley... We don't have any rim protection. Yeah. You're exactly right. I mean, the, look, when you play small offensively, we're difficult to guard. We spread you out. We make a ton of shots. It's unorthodox the way we play, especially for the Carolina system, and we're difficult to guard. But consequently, if you have a team that it just wants to spread you out with athletes and just continue to go at you, we've got no John Henson back there. We've got no Ed Davis. We don't even have a Kennedy or an Isaiah or a Tony Bradley, right? We're just extremely undersized for any Carolina team, any ACC team, any power conference team. And so because of that, if teams are able to get to the rim, there's not a whole lot of resistance in that painted area. So you saw that tonight. You saw perhaps a recipe for what what could be a difficult matchup for us down the stretch is if we find an athletic team that has slashers and guys that can get to the rim and play above the rim, we don't have a lot of rim protection. And that's what you saw tonight. They got to the rim, finished themselves, dumped it off to the bigs for easy buckets or kicked it out to shooters after we collapsed and really had it all clicking offensively. And we had no answer until very, very late. Made a great run to get back in it. Obviously tied the game. Joel hit some unbelievable shots to even give us a chance. But this game was lost in the the middle part of the game and how we defended. Yeah, and let's just start getting into it then with the individual players. I was going to just say that Sterling Manley looked a little bit out of his element in this game. But Garrison Brooks, I thought, played really well in his limited minutes. But the star was obviously Joel Berry. What did you see from him, Dewey, just aside from his will to not let this team lose as much as he can anyways? Yeah, well, just incredible aggressiveness, which was great to see. Obviously, felt like he could get to the rim against the guys he was being defended by. So had a a couple of really nice finishes around the rim. And then once he was able to do that, they had to sag off him because they were fearing penetration, which opened up the three-point shots. He made some... Some ones off the bounce. He made, obviously, the incredible one to tie the game late. A couple off the catch and shoot. He just had it all going, except from the free throw line. But, look, nothing he does at this point surprises me. His will to win is you know, as, as strong as anybody I remember us ever having. And uh, he gave everything he had. And, uh, again, just defensively, 
just weren't good enough. I mean, look down the line at our offensive stats. Aside from how we shot from the free throw line, offensively we were fine. And I know Billis kept talking about we kept turning the ball over, but the game to be at that pace, to only you know end up with 13 turnovers was really, to me, not that big of a deal. And a lot of them were early anyway. So we shot the ball well. We made a ton of threes. Cam shot the ball well. Luke shot six for ten. I mean. We, that wasn't the problem. I, I keep going back to it. And as I look at the stats and think about the game I just watched, there's no hidden thing or secret. We just didn't guard them. We didn't guard them. They felt really comfortable. They were in a groove. And consequently, you give ninety give up 91 points and the other team shoots 55% at home, you're not going to win many. Do you think that there is a fix to, to the defense at this point? I mean, they were playing a little bit better during their win streak. But to see the performance against Syracuse and then now against Miami, it does not put a positive outlook on the rest of the season, unfortunately. No, and, and here's the thing. You go back and read or listen to Coach Williams in the postgame, even during this winning streak, he has continually said, we need to be better defensively. We need to be better defensively. So he sees it. He knows. And it's clear when you watch teams, with the exception of a few that uh, just didn't play that well, have, have really scored the ball against us. We just played better offensively and our ability to make shots and our talent offensively has been the way we've won. But if you want to make a real run, you got to be able to do both and you you can't give up 91 points and expect to win. That's just not reasonable. Even as fast as we play as many extra possessions as we create with our pace, that's a lot to ask. I mean, how many games have we scored 88 and lost in the last 15 years? Not not many, hardly at all, I can remember. You know, the Wake game, coach's first year that went overtime, that was in the hundreds. But there aren't many. And uh, it just comes down to being able to contain your man and help each other, but don't overhelp to leave three-point shooters and, and the delicate balance of, of running our 21 defense as opposed to uh, the 22 that we traditionally played. Greg Barnes did a great article about that that I had a couple comments in. We've been trying to sag off as far as denying on the wings a little bit more. So we don't give up so many open shots and the, you know, the result of worrying so much about three point shooters is if we can't contain the dribbler, they're going to get to the rim. So it's kind of, it's a pick your poison type of thing. We can't be uh, able to do everything all the time. And that was evident tonight. We just were a step slow. I thought guarding the ball and we got in the paint and wreaked havoc. Well, and it looked like when the heels were were rotating down to try to draw that charge, Theo was able to to draw one late in the game that helped spark the heels' comeback. But it looked like Miami was kind of expecting it, and their guys were just slashing right around the the um the the helper there right in front of the basket. They were, and the, you know, those are big athletic guys. You know, Walker, and uh, I'm trying to look up the the other kid's name. Uh, not Newton, Lawrence. Uh, so Walker and Lawrence, those are big athletic guards. I don't know how tall Lawrence is. I'm going to look now, but he looked like he's about 6'7". Yeah, exactly right. He's 6'7". And I know Walker's about 6'5", 6'6". So you're talking about big, you know, guys the size of Theo, athletes that can change direction in the air and uh, were difficult for us to cover. So when you play that kind of athlete, elite level athlete on the perimeter and you don't keep the ball in front of you, they're just going to jump over even if we had a rim protector, we might have had trouble with those guys at the rim just because they're so athletic and they have so much size. So you got to just be better containing the dribble. And it's, it sounds simple, but these guys are good. I mean, Miami's a 
no doubt, obviously, tournament team, probably a six seed or better in the tournament, maybe, uh, given that they've been in the ACC all year and they're a tough out. They're a good team. And again, we let them get comfortable. And so they shot the ball great, had confidence on the offensive end, and we just couldn't get enough stops. So I was sitting there actually watching the game with my mom, who was in town, and I kept turning to her and saying, offense is not the problem. Offense is not the problem. We cannot get consecutive stops. And there till the end, we made one. We just couldn't stop. It's just, there's no other way to put it. Yeah. And to the point of, you know, just the, the Hurricanes having a great shooting night, I mean, I think the, the stats were that Newton was a 60% free throw shooter, of course, goes four for four. And I think he was a 17% uh, three point shooter, and he drains basically a half court shot. Let's talk about that real quick, Dewey, because I, I've seen a lot of angst on the message board that whenever there's that late game situation where the heels are either up one or the game is tied and there's only a few seconds left, the heels tend to retreat past the halfway point, at least to my eye. And, you know, a lot of fans are, are kind of critical of that. But what's your opinion on really what's the best way to kind of defend in those types of situations? Yeah, it's those those plays are so difficult just because it's so hectic. Everybody's scrambling trying to find a man, and uh, there's a you know a split second of euphoria that Joel just hit the shot. Oh, the game's tied. Oh, they didn't call a timeout. Where's my man? You're scrambling. I mean, the kid hit a forty footer. Could we have maybe stopped the dribbler a little bit higher and maybe had him change direction so it wasn't quite as open of a look, but I mean, he hit a 40 footer. What do you want now? If this was the possession against Villanova? Yeah. I have different thoughts and comments and, you know, guys didn't do what they were supposed to do coming out of a timeout. But in those situations, it's hard to get organized. Everything's happening so fast. And, you know, it'd be one thing if they dribbled the length of court and got a layup or made one pass and the guy made a wide, wide, wide open shot. He made a 40 footer. So how about just make your free throws and defend better during the whole game or not in that situation? Absolutely agree with that. Want to jump back though to the players talk. And I know you said, Dewey, that offense was, was not a problem. And I think you're hundred percent correct on that. But in terms of just gameplay to my eye, it looked like Luke may was passing up some shots that he could hit, especially from beyond the, the three point line. Did you see that during this game that Luke maybe looked a little more timid on offense than what he has been during the majority of ACC play? Yeah, a little tentative. And I'm of the opinion if it's Luke, um, Joel, Cam, or Kenny, if they have a glimmer, they can't shoot it enough for me. Just the stats bear that those guys should be shooting every single open shot they possibly can. You know, putting aside time and score, you know, you don't want to shoot an early three in the shot clock when you're up four or five with a minute and a half to go. That's a different, that's situational, but just in the, in the general scheme of our offense, those guys for me can't shoot it enough. And we talked about this on one of the previous podcasts that Luke Mays has a chance to be the first person to ever shoot 45% from three and average 10 rebounds ever in the history of the NCAA. When you're that good of a shooter, for me, you can't shoot it enough. So at that clip, almost 50% for him to only shoot three threes is, to your point, not close to enough. He should be shooting eight to ten. He shoots it that well. 
and so should Cam and so should Joel. Uh, and I would say Kenny of that group is the fourth best shooter. I don't know what the, the statistics are. That's just my feel on how, when I watch the guys shoot. So uh, I agree with you. I thought there were opportunities for him to, to pull a couple more. Um, I don't know. Just, it was a funny game, especially early. We got into a little bit better groove offensively the last 25 minutes or so. Theo created a lot of stuff for us. Yeah, he had some turnovers and got out of control, but I think at this point you're, you're going to take the good with the bad with him. 11 assists against three turnovers. You'd take that every night. Definitely. Um, you know, and Luke, Luke, to be fair, also didn't get as many touches perhaps as he usually does. Um, but yeah, as, the original question was, didn't you think he could have shot a couple more from behind the line? I, I'd love it if he shot 10 on Saturday at Duke because the stats bear that he's going to make about half of them. Well, let's talk about the Duke game real quick to end this one, Dewey. Obviously, this loss is huge for Carolina, not only in terms of ACC standings, but also in terms of potential NCAA standings. And the Heels have to finish their season off with a game against Duke in Cameron. How do you think the team will spend these couple days getting ready for that game? Do you think that there may be any residual kind of hangover from losing a game like this? I wouldn't think so. I mean, you know, 18, 20, 21-year-old kids, you get over this stuff probably more quickly than we do as as fans and followers. But uh, they're going to have to be better defensively, and that place is going to be absolutely out of control over there. So typically when we go over there, Duke will hit you in the mouth early, hit a couple shots, and the place is just going bonkers, and it's it's hard to even see straight at times. So luckily we start a couple seniors and, and juniors, and they won't be phased by it, and we just got to be able to stem the tide and get some shots to fall so we get some rhythm offensively, and then we got to guard the ball better. You know, guys like Duval for them can get to the rim. Grayson has the ability to get into the paint and draw fouls whether he buys them or not, different conversation, but, uh, you know, they're going to be tough to beat over there and uh, obviously fired up to to make sure they don't get swept. So it's going to be a very, very difficult game to get, but we're good enough. And that's the thing. We shoot it well enough. We rebound it well enough. We have to defend well enough and we should be right there at the end. I don't see any kind of blowout happening either way. It'll be a great game. It's come down to who can get stops and who can make shots. I'm assuming that that you watched the Syracuse game, Dewey, and we'll end after this question. But Carolina was able to really attack that Syracuse 2-3 zone. Duke is now basically playing a 2-3 as their base defense. How well do you think the Carolina offense will, will fare against Duke having put up a really good offensive performance against Syracuse in the Carrier Dome? Yeah, I feel really good about how we'll attack their zone. I think you'll see... A lot of Theo at that foul line area trying to get the ball in the middle and create plays for us. And obviously the zone is more or less designed to force you to make outside shots. So we're going to have to make shots. We need Cam to have a good night. Kenny and Joel, everybody needs to make shots. But I think Theo is the key. Getting the ball to him at the the painted area at the free throw line, allowing him to turn and face up, make plays, whether it's getting to the rim and trying to draw fouls on Bagley and Carter or – getting the ball from the strong side and turning and kicking opposite to shooters, creating a play for himself, Uh, whatever the case may be, that to me is the key is breaking down the zone with getting the ball to Theo there. And then if you, you know, defensively, the Duke guys, the two top guys on the zone, if they're always worried about the the ball going into that foul line behind them, 
they start to sink back in to try to not allow that pass. That opens up more open shots for our shooters. So got to do that. We're going to have a hell of a time trying to win the backboard with the size that they have and the way Bagley rebounds. But we won the backboard or at least came close to winning the backboard in the game against them earlier because we outworked them. And I think we have the ability to do that. We can outwork them. Uh, but it's tough to do uh, at their place. So we got our hands full. Everybody knows that. But, well, I'm excited. It's going to be a great game to watch, primetime on Saturday. And uh, I know we'll bring it. It's just going to be for me if we can get uh, get timely stops and, and make enough shots. Yeah, it really will just come down to, you know, that simple of a concept. But, hey, that's basketball for you. But, Dewey, thanks for jumping on with me, man. Uh, this was a very disappointing loss, but the Heels have a great chance to bounce back and end the season on, on a positive note when they travel to Cameron on Saturday. So we will see what happens. But thanks again, man. All right. Thanks, John. Appreciate it. Thanks for listening to InsideCarolina.com, the independent voice of UNC sports, your home for Tar Heel football, basketball, and recruiting.